everybody, and welcome into Best on the Board. I am Michael Beller, and it is Thursday, September 9th. We've got week two of the college football season just ahead of us, and the start of the NFL season with the Buccaneers and Cowboys getting together on Thursday Night Football tonight. So our first huge college and NFL day of the season, at least as far as we're concerned here on Best on the Board, is here, and we are happy that you are here with us. Also here with us is Ari Wasserman. Ari, what's going on? How you doing, man? Pretty good. My foot is now healing from stepping into the North Carolina bear trap last weekend, so hopefully we can avoid that again. <laughs> we'll give you a little bit of credit because you, you prefaced the pick by saying, is this a trap? You were wary of it. You were certainly wary of it, but then ultimately went ahead and made the play. My, my goal in life as a man is to be strong enough to recognize the trap and not only just recognize it, but bet the other side when something doesn't make <laughs> sense. Know. Yeah, one of these days, hopefully we can all get to that point. Also with us, of course, Dan Santa Ramita. Dan, how you doing today? I'm good, and I also feel a little silly for betting against Alabama on a neutral field. What What was I thinking? I, I don't know. We all make mistakes. <laughs> we, we all make mistakes. It's good that you, we, we learn the lessons in week one. We get them out of the way, and then we move forward stronger, better, and ready to make better plays in week two and beyond. And that's exactly what we're going to do here on this episode of Best on the Board. Let's recap last week really quick before we dive into last week. You guys both Went one and one. Uh, you mentioned your losses. On the plus side, Ari, you were on Georgia plus three. You also said you liked that money line, and both of those came through. Dan on Iowa minus three and a half against Indiana, and that one never a contest. Iowa absolutely blowing the doors off of the Hoosiers. So we go into week two with both of you guys sitting at one and one. I am sitting at 0 and one on this show. I had Wisconsin minus five and a half over Penn State, one that I'm still smarting over if that uh, Badgers team had a little bit more um, wherewithal in the red zone. I think that that's a winner, but hey, that's the way that it goes. So you guys are sitting at 1-1 one one in the season. I am sitting at 0-1. Let's get to our Week 2 picks. Ari, we are going to start with you. We're going to start with one of your favorite plays of the week, and we're going to go back to the Big Ten where Penn State, coming off that big win over Wisconsin, is back at home. Big favorites against Ball State, lane 22 on BetMGM. Give us your play here. Yeah, I think that the number uh, is is pretty good, you know. But when I, I look at the uh, the way that this game is playing out, I think it's very easy to say, well, look, Ball State had a lot of success last year. Look, Sean Clifford couldn't throw a forward pass pretty effectively against Wisconsin. And it's very easy to fall into that trap and mindset of, well, Penn State's kind of rocky, even though they're coming off of maybe the biggest win they've had in two years. And Ball State's sneaky good for a MAC team going in um, to State College and into Beaver Stadium. But I, I kind of feel like right now Penn State's probably feeling really good about themselves. I know that Sean Clifford is, you know, a handful of yards, 20 or so yards away from being the 10th Penn State quarterback to ever throw for 5,000 yards. Um, I'm not high on Sean Clifford, but I am high on his ability to get it done when playing against inferior t- talent out there and to me this kind of strikes me as like a 48 21 type of game where Penn State gets rolling early um you know things go well they might give up a few touchdowns there in the second half but you know cover by a few points um I like Penn State in this game a lot Dan no play for you on this one but when you take a look at it uh does either side give you a lean here well, I, I admittedly don't know enough about Ball State to play 22 points. I mean, that's kind of at that point where I'm like, I don't, I don't know, man. That's that's a lot. Uh, the thing is, Penn State <laughs> looked pretty good defensively, so you're not expecting Ball State to put up a lot of points, right? So, it's a question of whether Penn State, Penn State's offense struggled because they were playing Wisconsin, or if they can put up a big number to cover this. 
Yeah, it was definitely a game in Penn State and Wisconsin and Madison last weekend that was dominated by the defenses. I will say that, you know, the Badgers did drive deep into the red zone many times, and that first half red zone performance by the Wisconsin offense is what really sunk them, getting the ball first and goal on the two, not coming away with any points on that drive. Another one inside the 10-yard line where a bad exchange between quarterback and running back leads to a fumble that was recovered by Penn State. Badgers could have had 14 points on the board pretty easily at at halftime, and instead it was nothing nothing going into the locker room but Penn State coming off that big win gets to go home now gets Ball State should be a fun game uh, with what you said Ari right a, a, an intriguing Mac team in Ball State a team that had a very nice 2020 and could be a dangerous team in 2021 should be one of the more fun games that we have on the slate on Saturday and it, Ari back in Penn State you, yeah what's up you guys are our are, are seasoned gamblers so and I don't know if this is the wrong way to do it, but I think that the initial thought process here when looking at this game is you see the defending conference champions uh, yep. uh, on one side and you have Penn State who should be, quote unquote, beaten up by the tough Big Ten showdown that they just had in Madison, Wisconsin. And people are down on Sean Clifford. And I feel like the the gut feeling that people are probably going to have about this game is that you would take the points. Mm-hmm. And I try to fade gut feelings sometimes <laughs> because I've lost a lot of money in the past with gut feelings. And, you know, Penn State to me is a team that when they're feeling good about themselves and, you know, they've got one of the best uh, receivers in the in the country and, and Jahan Dotson who can get behind defenses pretty quickly. You know, this strikes me as a game that could be 14 nothing six minutes into the game and you're mm-hmm. off to the races. So um, I also like these big-time spreads too because at times – uh, when you're on pace to do, I mean, I'm a big live guy, and I like to try to find middles, and I thought that this, uh, this could be an opportunity to try to find a middle as well. Yeah, definitely could uh, trend in that direction, especially if the if the Nittany Lions do get off to that sort of start that you mentioned. And for what it's worth, our uh, college football modeler here at The Athletic, Austin Mock, has this as a 23.8% spread, or 23.8 spread uh, by his model. So be sure to check that out if you are a subscriber to The Athletic. And if you are not a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get in the door right now for a 50% off. Uh, theathletic.com slash best will do that for you. Dan, let's get to your first pick. Texas in Arkansas getting together this weekend. Texas going on the road here, laying a touchdown. You like the Longhorns. Give us the reasoning why. Yeah, and this one I actually already put a bet in, and I have to say I put the bet in at six and a half, and that's a very big half point where I saw the number move before the show, and I was like, oh, I have to defend seven now. It's a little bit different, but uh, I still think Texas should be a bigger favorite in this one. The only thing that worries me is when you have Hudson Card, a new quarterback going on the road, an SEC team, you could have a word there, but Bajan Robinson was so good at running back that I think the assumption is they can just lean on him if they're worried about the passing game. In Arkansas, the final score was pretty good, but that was not a convincing win, whereas Texas was in control against Louisiana, which I was surprised at how easily Texas won that game. I don't think it was really ever in question. Even the spread was rarely in question in the second half. Uh, Arkansas was tied going into the fourth quarter. And Rice threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter. So this was a close game that Arkansas ended up winning by 21 and did not outplay Rice by 21 points. So uh, I really think that uh, Texas should win this game pretty comfortably. Uh, I just, I I don't know where Arkansas, confidence in Arkansas to hang with Texas. I I know Mm -hmm. people are still wary about Texas not being Texas yet, you know, after some years of struggles. And it's still year one for Sarkeesian, but I, I really think they should be a comfortable favorite in this one. 
Uh, I wish we still had that six and a half. I'd take the extra half point, <laughs> but but I still think Texas should be a pretty easy uh, cover here. A good lesson there that uh, you're getting from Dan. Jump on those spreads early when you see them and like them. <laughs> you got a column about that from James Holtzauer, who, of course, is writing betting coverage for us here at The Athletic this year uh, about the importance of getting those spreads early when you like them. Texas did look very impressive in that win over Louisiana. It was one of the handful of games that I caught most of last weekend. Ari, when you look at this matchup, does anything jump out at you on either side? Well, if anybody's been following my uh, regular coverage, non-gambling coverage on The Athletic, I've been saying Texas is back uh, prematurely for the past six years. <laughs> and, you know, to me, they're one of the most talented teams in college football, top 10 talent composite. And, you know, the problem with, with Texas with me in the past has been that they don't seem there's – there's been – seems to be something missing with them when you watch them. They don't play up to their talent. They don't, you know, get where they need to go in my opinion. But, you know, the, the idea is that when you fire and hire a new coach – that you should be able to see some of the dividends pay on that. And, you know, giving Sark the benefit of the doubt, I think that Texas looked tremendously better than I would have anticipated in a week one matchup last week. They looked shockingly competent across the board. They have one of the most explosive running backs in, in all of college football and B. John Robinson. And it just seems to me like they are playing. It's a short sample size. I get it. One game. <laughs> but they played at a level um, that was impressive to me against a team uh, that they might have usually struggled against because I would say that Louisiana is probably as good as a middle-tier Big 12 team. And those are the types of teams historically that Texas has lost to. So I'm 100% with Dan. I think Texas is going to roll in this game. Yeah, never, ever, ever in doubt both the result and, as you mentioned, Dan, the spread in that Texas-Louisiana game. So maybe an under-the-radar impressive start to the season with all those big games that we uh, had last weekend. Texas maybe quietly going under the radar with the performance that they had against Louisiana. Let's get to our second picks here, and Ari, we're going to come back to you. You are still living in the Big Ten, Paul or Penn State, excuse me, minus 22 against Ball State, your first pick and your second pick. <clears throat> going back to your old beat stomping grounds, trusting the Buckeyes in their big game this week against Oregon Lane, 14 and a half. Let's hear it. What's the case? Can I ask you guys a question? Because you're a big, uh, big Ten guy too, right, Mike? Oh, I am. Born and raised in Chicago, went to Wisconsin. Let's hear it. Are we sure that Oregon's better than Minnesota? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure of it but I, I am sure that Ohio State has as you like to always point out the biggest talent gap maybe of any team in the country every time they take the field on like a on a composite basis right I think this is a helmet game I think that Ohio State is playing a team that is sexy because of its uniforms and is supposedly uh -huh. in a position to uh, compete for the big 12 or the Pac-12 title excuse me but I'm not sure that they're there yet. Now, I know that Oregon is recruiting at a very high level right now. Mario Cristobal, I think, will have a very talented team in a few years. But when I saw the spread, when you asked me, I was kind of in Dan's position. This was 14, so now we're up to three scores <laughs> uh, when I liked it. But I still like it, especially if Thibodeau isn't playing. You know, you take one of the best pass rushers in college football off the, off the field or at least put him at 50%. You're telling me that with this explosive Ohio State offense that Oregon's going to keep them to 24, 28 points? Ohio State's going to score into the 40s into this game, and I don't know that Oregon has the offense, especially against a team that's getting their two top cornerbacks back, um, to 
to score enough. I, I think that this is going to be a blowout. I think Ohio State is immensely more talented and more competent, despite the fact that they did look shaky at times in their season opener against Minnesota. I think it was a very tough opener for them, you know, going on the road and playing in a in an environment like that in Minnesota, where you know there is some PJ Fleck row the boat madness there, where it was like their Super Bowl. Um, I just don't I don't see where Oregon is going to match up across the board in this game, and they have some dudes on defense. I get it, but I just don't know who's covering Chris. O- I mean, I don't think that Alabama could cover Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for four quarters without giving up something. So, you know, I think Ohio State here is going to win, and it's like a forty-nine to you know twenty-four type game. I think it's going to be a pretty comfortable cover, and I just don't think that Oregon is at that point where they're going to be competing with national championship contenders at a high level yet. All right, let's get to your second pick here, Dan. And we're finally getting into some totals here. Last (laughs) week, Georgia, that big win over Clemson. It was a defensive battle, to say the least, with Georgia winning that one. 10-3, 10-3, to three. that was a comfortable under, and you think that it keeps rolling. They're got UAB this week. They're big favorites, of course, on the line. But we're forgetting about the line. Under 45.5 is the play for you. Does anyone think UAB can score a touchdown after what we saw Georgia do last week? <laughs> if Clemson couldn't score a touchdown, I don't know if we expect UAB to. Now, of course, there's always garbage. Are we sure Georgia points. can yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's good. great. That's good for this. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a big number, but if you think this is like a 42 to 3 game, which would no one would bat an eye at, you're still like barely under. Like, I think whether or not Georgia can put up 40 points, you know, and, and UAB's probably only going to score in garbage time unless there's some weird turnovers. Yeah, I, I like the under here. UAB actually a pretty good group of five defense last few years. So. Uh, you know, Gene Clemens, one of our writers, had, had some picks, and he really likes UAB's defense. We obviously saw Georgia doesn't look like they're going to be in too many shootouts this year. Yeah, I, I like the under here. I, I almost feel like it's too obvious of a pick uh, because Georgia couldn't score, and no one looks like they could score on that defense. So, I don't know. I like the under. I think uh, UAB can at least keep Georgia from scoring 50, and that's kind of all you need at that point. Are you were obviously on Georgia last week. We talked about it at the top of the show. You were on Georgia just generally for this 2021 season. We also talked about that a week ago. How did you come out of that win over Clemson feeling about them? I feel like they're going to win the national championship this year or lose to Alabama like everybody else and not <laughs> mm-hmm. win it. You know, but I think they're in that. I do think that anybody who watched that game saw a team that was talented enough to hang with just about anybody. And that defensive performance, I think you could say, is – maybe the most impressive defensive performance that we've seen collectively in college football in the last few years. I can't think of one that was better. I mean, Clemson, it felt like to me, Clemson didn't even gain a yard in that game. So, you know, I'm completely on board with this. Now, the one thing that scares me about these types of games is that, you know, if Georgia scores early or things get rolling early, you know, they could score into the fifties on this. And, you know, we, it's very easy to overreact to, um, offensive issues after week one, but you know, I'm, I think I'm with Dan on this. I think 42 to three or 42, nothing, or even, you know, 38 to seven, uh, seems pretty reasonable because UAB isn't just a, a crappy group of five team either. They're very competent. So, you know, the one thing that is a little bit difficult about these types of picks too, is that you're walking, walking a tightrope. Mm-hmm. You're one, you're one 
weird exchange inside your own 20 away from, you know, giving points to an opponent that otherwise wouldn't score. And the next mm-hmm. thing you know, the whole thing blows up in your face. So, you know, I, I like the side that you're on. I don't know if it would be a fun thing to watch. I think I would be like a, <laughs> a, a very hard thing to watch if you had money on it. Because oh, yeah. it's just like you'd be playing pins and needles the entire game. Betting unders is not fun. <laughs> I don't <laughs> recommend watching Never. when you bet an under. <laughs> just bet it and stay away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. But make the bet and then find something else to do for three and a half or four <laughs> hours because you're not going to want to sit there and cheer for nothing to happen, even if you feel good about nothing happening. We know something's happening tonight, you guys, and that is the start of the NFL season. So I'm going to bring us over to a couple of NFL bets for the kickoff between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. You see it down there? Yeah, I always like the Super Bowl champion coming off of that win and and getting to play at home week one, the banner raising, all that. We've seen a lot of good trends backing those teams, especially since, you know, typically the next year, they're still pretty darn good. But eight's a big number to lay, and that's what it's sitting at right now for the Buccaneers against the Cowboys. The over, the total, it feels a little bit uh, dicey to me as well just because of the possibility of a slow start on either side of this game. So I'm going to go to player props. I got one for either side. CeeDee Lamb over 62.5 yards. That's sitting at minus 110 on BetMGM. Also like Antonio Brown as an anytime TD scorer at plus 190. I'll start with Antonio Brown first. You know, Chris Godwin was popped up on the injury report on Wednesday with a groin injury that sort of came out of nowhere. He is off the official injury report entirely on Thursday, but... The fact that he already has something that he's dealing with after the three separate injuries he dealt with a year ago, wouldn't be surprised to see him take a little bit, just a tiny, a half step, a quarter step back in this team's game plan and lean a little bit more on Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. I think we could see Antonio Brown play a big role as he did for this team, really, that entire final month of the season and into the playoffs. A much different Antonio Brown for the Buccaneers than what we saw the first month of the season when he was eligible to play for them. As for CeeDee Lamb, we all love CeeDee Lamb coming into this season. Big things are expected of him. Remember what he did in those first five games last year with Dak Prescott healthy as a rookie in the pandemic season. No OTAs, no minicamp, no training camp, no preseason, and he comes out and gives you 450 yards over his first five games. And so I think that we see that CeeDee Lamb back in action with Dak Prescott back in action. I don't see any reason why we should expect that not to pick up right away in week one. And this number really doesn't ask him to do all that much. So give me CeeDee to go over 62 and a half. Give me Antonio Brown to find the end zone. That's how I am doing my uh, thing for the first week of the NFL season. Uh, What do you guys got? Uh, You guys got anything, any bets making or just sitting back and watching this game uh, tonight? I just want to comment on, on you stepping up with player props. We don't have that fun in the college game usually. <laughs> it's a different world. It is. It is. It's a, it's a great way to get involved, you know? I don't know. Like, the NFL is, like, so much harder to me. Uh, I mean, gambling's hard in general. But the NFL <laughs> yes, it is. is so difficult. But I always feel like I've had great success taking multiple scores against in the NFL when you're talking about two pretty good teams. Like when when Dallas is getting two scores, to me, that's especially if Dak Prescott is presumably healthy, you know, in the NFL, it's really hard to win by 10 points. So, you know, to me, uh, that stuff obviously can go off the rails pretty quickly, too. But I just auto bet home dogs in the NFL. And if a good team that's over 500 in the playoff race is getting two scores, I I think that's a good play. But, you know, I'm going to tail your... uh, your CD Lamb pick, and there we uh, go. Then yell at you if you're wrong. <laughs> I, I, I look. I feel very good about that CD Lamb pick, and I, I'm hoping to bring a little bit of NFL flavor to these Thursday episodes. I hear you on the Dallas play as well. 
It just, I'm, a, I'm still, even, even with the addition of Micah Parsons, you know, we expect that defense to be better this season. Obviously, it was a, a real mess last year. It should be better this year. I want to see it before I trust them to hold a team like Tampa in check offensively. I want to see a little bit of evidence from that defense that they can be something approximating a league average group before I trust them to stay in a game with Tampa. So there's going to be opportunities to bet the Cowboys. I don't know if this week is going to be the one for, in fact, I know this week's not going to be the one for more, even though my lean, if forced to make the pick, would be on Dallas plus eight. But that's a beautiful thing about gambling. We can do what we want to do. We don't have to bet everything. And that's what we do on this best on the board. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Best on the board, of course, returns tomorrow. Me and Casey Joyner taking a look at the rest of the week one NFL slate. For Ari Wasserman and Dan Santaramita, I am Michael Beller. Good luck tonight. Happy betting, and we'll talk to you soon.